Hey everybody, um, it's Kevin here um, with a solo episode. Um, <clears throat> so um, today I want to talk about um, a fairly sensitive subject uh, that we've kind of kind of talked about in the past a little bit um, here and there, but uh, not too much into great detail. And um, but it is something that I definitely want to talk about, and I've been wanting to talk about it on. The show either by myself or with Tyree, um, <clears throat> and it, it it relates to specifically uh, one of the added benefits that we have had with doing this show, and um, and, and and in ways that it's helped people. Um, so I guess this is a disclaimer or a warning, rather a warning that uh, if uh, if talking about um, suicide within our military and our veteran community um, is a sensitive subject for you, um, then it's absolutely okay to stop listening and, uh, and you know, and carry on with your life. I, you know, I don't want to cause any triggers for anybody. I don't want to, you know, put anybody in a dark place um, with this show. What I hope to do, my goal, my intention is to kind of shed a l- little bit more light on the subject and, um, you know, with some facts, uh, with some information that I've found and then obviously just personal experiences and, um, uh, personal stories that I have. Um, so with that being said, um, here we go. So we've all heard the 22 veterans a day, right? Um, that number comes from an average, right? Approximately 22 veterans every day, um, based on a study from, I believe, 2009 or 2012. It said that uh, approximately 22 veterans every single day um, are dying from suicide. Um, <clears throat> of that number, most are male, about 97% are male, um, and a good portion of that, I believe it was 67% of those were uh, veterans over, I believe it was 49 years of age. Um, so younger than 49, you know, it, it's, it's a little less, but... But anyway, um, there's been several studies done on, you know, how many veteran suicides are happening every year, um, and uh, they're getting better at doing these studies. Before, it was just, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, suicidal thoughts and ideation, you know, it was, it was all based on self-reporting, and they've been able to use that data from veterans who have uh, been honest on these screenings. Um <clears throat> to determine certain key factors that may lead a veteran to these types of thoughts. Um, oftentimes, it seems that, you know, a big, as we all know, a big, a big uh, trigger or a big event or whatever you want to call it for, for suicide is you know, PTSD. For the last 20 years, our military has been at war, right? We've been in Iraq and 
Afghanistan and, you know, Syria and Yemen and Africa, just everywhere, you know, fighting the global war on terror. Um, and with that, be it, you know, soldiers deploying, you know, one deployment or, you know, multiple deployments, you know, six, seven, you know, however many deployments. Um, when you, when you go live in that type of environment and you do the types of things that we are required to do or experience the types of things that you're going to experience when you're in those situations or even have the fear of uncertainty that, that typically comes with that type of um, environment, then, yeah, you definitely increase the chances of, of, uh, of that happening, you know, of, of developing post-traumatic stress disorder um, or any of its whatever else you want to call it. Um, and you know, you also run the risk of coming back, uh, and, 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 and later on, you know, moving through, you know, the depression and anxiety and guilt and, and all of that. And through, through having those feelings and not being able to process them appropriately, um, or formally in some cases, you know, going to therapy or, you know, psychology or whatever, psychologist. Um, that's where we start to run into these numbers. Um, your average adult veteran, which I don't know why I just said that because it's not like there's any, like, children veterans out there. Um, you know, little 12-year-olds. It's not the Civil War anymore. But your average adult uh, veteran is almost twice as likely as to commit suicide as a non-veteran adult. Um, like I said, most are male, and that probably comes from, you know, this this alpha mentality. You know, this like I I'm not I'm not weak. I am strong. I can handle this. And the next thing you know, you start to to spiral, and you end up in that that dark place, and you know, feelings of hopelessness, depression, anxiety. Like I said, guilt. And next thing you know, we have another veteran gone. And so I currently still serve in the military, in the Army Reserve. And we still do, you know, suicide prevention, suicide awareness, things of that nature. And based on the numbers of veteran suicides, the rates of veteran suicides, suicidal ideation and thoughts... I don't, in my personal opinion, I don't believe that these classes are the answer. There has to be more to it. What it's going to come down to, at least for those currently serving, is to be aware of your your buddies, your comrades, your 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 homies, your people, right? Like, don't be afraid to ask the question, how's it going? How are you? How are you feeling? And if you are asked that question, don't be afraid to answer that question honestly. There's there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a little, you know, being depressed. There's nothing wrong with having these these bad feelings and there's nothing wrong with admitting it. Um you I mean, I would I would say that a true uh measure of a person's strength is being able to admit, to admit when you're hurting when you feel your weakest. But I also understand that, you know, the overall climate 
um, of the military these days is is not what it used to be. Um, just from things that I've heard uh, from from friends that I have serving on active duty, that they feel, <clears throat> in some cases, this isn't speaking for all cases, obviously, but there seems to be a general um, lack of trust um, in leadership. Um, and they don't feel like there is anybody that they can, that they can go to. And, and that's, and that's in, in this regard, that's fine. You know, you, they don't have to have, they don't have to have somebody to go to because there are resources. I, 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 hear, hear me out. It makes sense in my head. There are resources that veterans and military uh, service members can utilize when you know, they find themselves in in those positions you know there's the veteran crisis hotline there's um <clears throat> there's a they, they can even do texting so that you don't actually have to speak with somebody um there's there's lots of resources out there and that as far as that hotline and all this other information i'll have that in the description um, of the episode uh, so that you can refer to that and i would highly encourage everybody listening to save the information into your smartphone so that if you yourself find yourself in that space, you have that information in your phone readily available and you don't have to go Googling it. And if you happen to come across one of your friends or, or whatever who is in that space, you have that information readily available and you don't have to go Googling it. Um, it's just good information to have. And the only way we are going to drop these numbers, the only way we are going to reduce these numbers to zero is by being there for each other, by accountability, by checking in with each other, by being honest with how we're feeling. For the longest time, I never wanted to talk about my personal experiences with this because of how I thought it made me look. I thought it made me weak. I thought it made me, um, you know, because of the stigma, right? Um, I didn't want to admit that I had PTSD. I didn't want to admit that I had depression and I didn't want to admit that I felt guilty um, for things. And because of that, and I thought I was getting better. I thought that I was moving through life and I was, I was, I was getting further and further away from what caused me to feel the way I was. And I thought that that meant that I was getting better. But, you know, there's solving the problem and then there's just avoiding the problem there's avoiding the triggers that lead to the problem i used to when i came home in february of 05 or i'm sorry when i came home back home out of the army in the june 1st of 05 um my only real military support was an uncle who had gone to vietnam and thankfully you know through his experiences he was able to assist my parents in in ways to, to, to work with me and, and to, you know, quote unquote, deal with me, uh, in my, <laughs> in my mood swings and anger and, and my humor and everything else that was going to come out. Um, <clears throat> but I, I drank heavily. I did. I was very angry all the time. I drank heavily. And when I would get to a certain point, I would break down just inconsolable, um, breaking down and just bawling and sometimes it would be a random thing one time that I remember my friends and I were leaving a bar and we were walking down the street 
and um, or I was more of a stagger or <laughs> whatever. And we came across an alleyway, and as I approached the alleyway, I instinctively began to um, kind of clear it, you know, in my head. You know, like I was I was looking down the alleyway, you know, looking, uh, you know, high left, high right, you know, bottom, making sure, looking into where wherever I could that, you know, all the danger spots where somebody might be hiding to, you know, pop out with an AK or whatever or detonate an IED. And as soon as I realized that that's what I was doing just this like this waterfall of thoughts uh just kind of went went through my mind and next thing i know i'm just just this you know 205 pound you know heaping mess and my friends didn't know how to deal with me um we finally got back to my uh buddy's apartment and i was still you know, in bad shape, I decided to go for a walk, and, um, you know, you have this man walking around, drunk, near a street where bars are, and next thing I know, I have, like, I think it was like four or five squad cars pull up on me, um, I don't know if somebody had called somebody, uh, or, or what had happened, but, um, I was approached by law enforcement officers, and, Immediately in my head, I snapped back into a normalcy and I kind of knew why they were there. So I, you know, had my hands up and I said, I'm sorry. I, you know, I explained to them the situation. I showed them, um, I still had my military ID, uh, for, I don't know why, but I still had it because I was off active duty. It should have been turned in, but it wasn't. I showed it to them. I said that, you know, I just got back from Iraq fairly recently and I've just been struggling with stuff. So they, they you know, so we sat down on, on a, um, a little curb and we talked about it. And, uh, <clears throat> you would think that something like that would be, you know, what, uh, you know, is eye opener for me and, and, and helps me circle back to, you know, I need to get my shit in order. And it wasn't. I continued to drink heavily um, for several years, and it was just a hot mess. I got married um, in 2006, and that marriage was absolutely based on, you know, this party mentality. You know, we're drinking and doing all these things, uh, nothing illegal, but, you know. And, you know, in these drunken messes, messes, you know, she wasn't really sure how to handle me. I mean, she was going through her own things in life, so she was drinking like a fish as well, and... Um, and it just kind of, the marriage went from okay to why did we do this? And next thing you know, we're divorced. Um, by this point, I'm back in the military. I'm in the Army Reserve um, in my current unit. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I was on the struggle bus for a while. And so the divorce happened. And then, you know, I kind of, I kind of backed off from drinking quite a bit because I realized that heavy drinking sent me to a place that I didn't want to go. So instead of figuring out the problem, I just avoided it. I avoided the trigger that led me to the problem. But that didn't always work for me because sometimes, you know, you, you meet up with friends and you, uh, you know, you go out and tie one on and next thing you know, you're right back where you were, hitting that trigger point and, and uh, right back where you were, right back where you started. And, uh, you know, next day I'd always feel kind of dumb about it. And then, 
you know, and that was that. But it really caught up to me in 2013. Um, in 2011, I dated this girl that I was just like obsessed with, you know what I mean? Just really, really into her. And, um, I, you know, so much so that I had like the future, uh, our future kind of planned out in my head, you know what I mean? And it was one of those scenarios and, <clears throat> you know, we had broke up and, uh, but we still kind of maintained contact and, uh, and it was, it was, it was not the healthy kind of contact, you know, there was still like interaction, there was still engagement you know, messing around and doing stuff. And so obviously that kept the feelings intact. Well, 2013 came around and I found myself hitting that trigger point from an, a night of drinking. And I got to that point and I didn't feel, feel, really feel like I had anybody to call. And I called the one person that I thought that I could really, really trust. I mean, I have my best friends, but I didn't want to bother them with my nonsense, right? Because to me, it was just nonsense. To me, it was it wasn't their it wasn't their fight to have, you know, and and so I called her because I thought that she would be there for me. And instead of listening and hearing me out, and I was bawling, I was crying, I was in a bad shape. She answered the phone and she says, "Hello, why why are you calling?" And I'm breaking down, and she's like. She's like, I just, I just can't, I, I can't deal with this right now. Like I'm trying to sleep. Like, I don't know why you're calling me. You need to go to bed. This is, this is, you don't need to be calling me with this. And it just, and she hung up on me and it, and it just, that really just kind of broke my heart. Now, obviously I was, I was drunk and, um, in that, in that mindset. And, uh, I just sat there, um, like nobody in the world is going to care about what happens next. So I sat there and I thought about it. You know, I had a pistol at the time and what I was going to do is I was going to put the gun in my mouth and blow my brains out. Um, so I thought about it. I planned it out. You know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> when I've told this story to somebody else not too long ago, they said, well, you're awfully considerate is because I was like, well, I can't. I'm not going to do it in the living room because that would stain the carpet and the walls. And that's just, that's just not fair to whoever has to clean that up. Can't do it in the bedroom for the same reasons. Um, well, the bathroom seems to be the the best spot. I can just sit on the edge of the shower and then, you know, whatever mess is in there, they can just, you know, hose it down the drain and easy peasy. <laughs> and so that's, that was the plan. That was what I was going to do. And, uh, and then I, it hit me, it real, I realized, <clears throat> well, man, if I do this, who's, what's going to happen with Shotzi? Shotzi, for those of you don't, that don't know, Shotzi is my dog. She's a Belgian Malinois. And at this point in time, she was a brand new puppy, right? Like I had just got her. And if you know anything about Mals, you know that they are insane dogs. <laughs> so I was like, well, there's nobody out there who's going to put up with her. And I love her to death. You know what I mean? But like, that doesn't mean everybody else is going to love her to death. And I don't want to see her go to a bad place. So that was my, that was what stopped me, right? It wasn't, it wasn't thinking about, you know, how great my life could be if I just got my shit together. It wasn't thinking about like, you know, the you know, the people that would uh, be hurt if I did do that. It had nothing to do with that. I didn't want my dog to end up in a bad place. Um, so I, you know, 
I, I hit that, uh, I, you know, that snap back to normal and, and, uh, inside I went and then I promised that I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink to that point ever again. Uh, right. So what I'm choosing to do is not solve the problem, but avoid the trigger that led to the problem. And, uh, you know, things were kind of fine after that. I, I mobilized, um, to go do my job in the army and which was ended up being a really good thing for me. Or I'm sorry, that's, that was some years before that, but I, I did, I did go on a short, a short mobilization to California, which also ended up being a really good thing for me because it gave me a lot of time to be out in nature. It gave me a lot of time to just observe the world around me, to start to appreciate things. Um, and it just kind of opened my eyes and my mind. Um, and in some cases my heart, I learned a lot about myself and, um, during, during that time. And it was good. It was really, really good. And then, you know, fast forward a couple years, you know, the job that I was doing, um, on the military side, they had a civilian equivalent job and I ended up really loving what I did. So I, I got into that job on the civilian side, uh, three years later in 2016 and I ended up right back out there where I was, I was in California and I go out there as a civilian and I'm waking, making way less money and, you know, you know, and you know how that goes, right? Like whatever problems you have in the world, if you compound that with also with, with financial problems, all those small problems are so much worse. Everything is so much worse when you don't have money. Um, and that's exactly where I was. I was living in a house that had no internet. Um, I wasn't able to watch TV. Um, I had a cell phone, but they didn't have an unlimited data plan. So like I was sitting there racking up data, trying to you know entertain myself on my phone. My first phone bill was $600 and I was already like $2,000, you know, behind on everything at that point. So I was like, geez, man, I'm just making this problem so much worse. It's just me and Shotzi out there, um, living up on this little hilltop, uh, kind of in the, the, uh, on the central coast. And, uh. I was just depressed. I hated everything. I remember sitting in a recliner, just listening to this song called Mein Herz Brent by Rammstein. It means my heart breaks. They have a um, a piano version of it. And it's really, really, really beautiful song. But in, when you're in that mindset, it's probably not the best thing to be listening to. But I was playing it on repeat. And I just, I came to that same conclusion that I needed to, I needed to solve my problem by again, killing myself. And, uh, you know, I planned it out the same way I did the first time. And the same exact thing happened to me. It's like, I need to go in that bedroom and get my pistol. And just at that time, you know, Shotzi wears this, this dog collar that's got her rabies tag on there. And when she, whenever she moves around, it jingles. And as soon as I, you know, think to my head, I need to go in there and get that gun. I hear that jingle. I'm like, oh, man, if I do this, then I'm all the way out here in California. You know, Shotzi at this point is, you know, she's a bit older, but she's definitely more hyperactive. I mean, she's still hyperactive because she's a male, and that's just how they are. And at that point, you know, she was kind of a family dog, you know, like my family um, knew her and loved her and cared for her. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, oh, we're all the way out in California, man. What am I going to do? Just leave her out here in the, in the desert by herself? No, I'm not going to do that. So that's, again, what snapped me out of it. And... So that's my, that's my two, that's my two, that's the only time it's ever happened to me, right? But that's not to say that it couldn't happen again. Um, I am actively taking steps in my life to ensure that that doesn't happen 
And doing this podcast and being able to talk with other veterans and being able to talk with young soldiers is one of those ways or some some of the ways, some of the things that I'm doing uh, to not not only help other people with these with these feelings and these thoughts, but also to help myself, right? Because the more aware we stay of these uh, of these possibilities, that the potential that this, that you could end up back there, the better off I think you are at prevention. You know, um, you know, and that's kind of the thing. Like life gets hard. You know, you have your moments and. And, um, like I said before, admitting when you're in those spots isn't, isn't weak. Being in those positions, having depression and having suicidal thoughts doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you need to talk to somebody, talk to anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm not a religious person. Um, and if you're not, that's, that's absolutely fine. But like, I mean, dang man, like if, if you find yourself in a position where you have nobody to talk to. I mean, I, I bet you you can go to church and talk to somebody there. I bet you you can find, I mean, anybody, man. Get on the internet. Tell your story. I, I mean, just anybody. Go talk to your neighbor. It doesn't matter. Call your mayor. You know what I mean? Like, there's there are people out there that care. And I'll tell you, the the, the more I move through life and the more I, um, um, you know, talk to people and and. and experience all this stuff, the more I realize that there are people out there that genuinely do care. Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of those people in my life. And um, I say that to say, like, nobody is ever truly alone. Like, I have felt truly alone in, in, in so many cases of my life. And we never are. We never are. I had extreme guilt for leaving. I, I for leaving active duty. I thought that that uh, I left all my brothers behind to go deploy again, and I chickened out. You know, I felt like I bitched out, and and uh, and, and that made me less of a person, less of a veteran, less of a man. And it's just it's just the path that we went. It's just how it worked out. But you know, I guess what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter what it is that you think is at the root of your problem you're not the only one to feel it you're not the only one to feel guilt and to feel shame and to question things to have post-traumatic stress disorder we've all been there you know in the veteran community and hell even even people i mean you don't have to go to combat to experience ptsd i have a friend of mine who experienced ptsd um in a in a in a, a makeshift hotel bomb um, you know, not too long ago, uh, and you know, they didn't realize that, that the effects of that particular day would follow them. And, and, uh, and, uh, it does, that's just how it works. But again, it's, you know, educating your people, educating yourselves, educating your soldiers, educating your friends on the things that can cause these, that can cause PTSD, that, that where the triggers are knowing these things about yourself and not just not just avoiding them but tackling them head on right getting to the root of what it is one of the things that i had to do to circle myself back to where i needed to be in life was to remember 
who I was before these triggering events. I had to think about what it meant to be happy. I had to think about where I wanted to be in my life and um, in my mental state, in my relationships with my friends and family. I had to think about that. And, 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 and you know, like some, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to to express things in, in, you know, my relationships with friends or family or, you know, uh, romantic relationships, which is probably another reason why I am always, or, you know, in these failed relationships. Um, you know, I've, I've been told I'm a bad communicator. I've been told that I'm cold. I've been told that I'm heartless. Um, and it's just, it's not what it is. It's just, uh, it's hard to explain, but to me, in, in those particular situations, and I feel like I'm definitely rambling and I'm ADD, like brain all over the place, so I apologize if this is, seems so scattered, but um, this is the first take and I'm not re-recording this because I don't want um, to, I, 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 I want it to come out sincere, I want it to come out genuine, I want it to come out as if I'm actually speaking with you because I am, I am speaking with you, not to you, not at you, I'm speaking with you, I know I can't hear you, the listener, but that's what I'm doing, but... In, 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 in relationships, I know that it's hard for me to express, you know, feelings sometimes. And then, and, and I know, I'm sure we can, a lot of us can relate to it, but like we don't express it. And then whatever it is, the argument that, or whatever is going on in that relationship just gets worse and worse and worse and more and more and more, more intense, more intense. And next thing you know, we explode. And those fits of anger and rage that we have been suppressing for so long come out and then you know, you feel bad about it because you hurt somebody's feelings, you said hurtful things, and then now you have guilt for that, and that sends you into uh, kind of a a depressive state, and the next thing you know, you end yourself right back up uh, at at the very bottom where you spiraled to, and you you find yourself thinking, well, there's only one way out of this, and it's this, you know, that's not, that's not true, that's not the only way out, the only way out is up, right? Sometimes it takes, you know, you know, biting your tongue and saying, you know, in, in the middle of an argument, for example, stepping away, um, stepping away from the situation to calm down, to get your, your hormone levels, to get your, your heart rate down, um, to, to step back, to physically step back from the scenario and try to view it from an outside perspective, um, and then to to be honest with how you were feeling, you know, and and then hope that your significant other, um, you know, is understanding. If they're not, if they're not able to understand what it is that is going through your mind, and, and it's hard for you to explain, then, you know, there there is counseling. There is things you can read. There are videos you can watch. You can call the crisis hotline. You can talk to these people, and it can be explained. It's a thing. But it definitely, in a relationship, takes two to understand that. Um, I, I've talked to plenty of my military friends who say that it's really hard to date outside of the military because, um, in a lot of cases, especially like after the military, because in a lot of cases, like it's you know like nothing against um, people who've never deployed to combat, but like it really is like the old Vietnam saying: if you didn't go, you wouldn't know. It's hard to explain what we went through. It's hard to explain what it's like 
to go to bed and not know if a mortar is going to crash on on uh, crash down on where you're sleeping or if a a, a V bit is going to roll into your building. Um, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to explain what these feelings are like. Um, you know, it's hard to explain to people that like yeah, I, war is hell, but we would go back in a heartbeat, not because we're you know junkies for for combat, but because it's in in a lot of ways where we feel safe it's where we feel comfortable it's where we have the least things to worry about and it's one of those things where like we're doing what we what we feel or know is right and and we feel you know pride in that and honor in that and uh i don't know it's a thing but anyway so when it comes to my 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 relationships now i i try to be I try to be more open. I try to be more aware. I try to be more expressive. Um, and uh, I know I have my moments. Uh, my sister, for example, um, I mean, I have, I have a couple sisters, but um, one of them in particular, and the other one has recently started doing it, so I think it's kind of funny. But um, whenever we get off the phone, like, doesn't matter if we talked for two minutes or if we talked for four hours, um, or if we this is the fifth time we've talked today, whenever we get off the phone, she always says, I love you. And like I said, my other sister started doing it too. Um, my mom does it. Um, my stepmom does it. And, um, and, uh, it cracks me up because, you know, I always kind of, I always rush through it. I'm like, okay, love you. Bye. You know what I mean? And, uh, cause it's just like an awkward thing for me to be that expressive, but you know, it's important, I think to have that said, and it's important to say it back. And it's important to know that that's, um, that it has meaning. And, uh, I don't know, man. Um, I think I'm kind of getting off subject a little bit because I kind of want to say one thing. There's also nothing wrong, um, with expressing love, right? Cause we have this all, there's also this mentality, this like super alpha macho mentality. Like I don't need love, blah, blah, blah. I'm just a big manly muscular dumbass with, you know, with a brick for a brain and, you know, it, it, um, it's, it's just, that's just, that's just dumb. That's archaic. Um, be expressive, be open. Um, because it's, 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 it's stuff like that. That's going to save you. It is. It's stuff like that. That's going to save you. It's developing those relationships in your life that are going to save you. Having those people that you can trust that that's, what's going to save you. When you find yourself in those deep, deep, dark spots, when you've spiraled, it's it's those relationships that are going to save you. It's having people that you can trust and people that give a shit about you that's going to save you. That's what's going to save you. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's it. At the end of the day, that's what's going to save you. You know, in my cases and in the two times that I've been there, <clears throat> yeah, it was my dog that I thought about that pulled me back, but did that solve the problem? No. What solved the problem, um, well, who's to say if it's solved, right? Who, who's to say if it has ever truly solved, right? But, like, what's helped is these developed relationships that I have in my life. I have two two of my best friends uh, that I went to high school with. Um, I've known one for 25 years and uh, the other one for 23, 24 years, 22, something like that, over, over 20 years. Like, I mean, damn near a quarter century. Um, and I know that any moment of the day I can call them 
And as annoyed as, the, as they would be at 2 o'clock in the morning, they would answer the phone because they know that if I'm calling, uh, there's probably something weird because I just don't call people. Um, my, my, my siblings know that. My parents know that, too. If, if I'm calling, it's probably something. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's those relationships that, that are going to save you. Um, it's having that trust. It's having that faith in those people and having the right people in your life. If you're, if you're sitting here listening to this and you think about the people you have in your life and you think to yourself, man, if I found myself in that spot and I called, would they answer? Or, uh, if they did answer, are they going to bitch me out for calling them? Like what happened to me in 2013, you know, if, if, if that's the thoughts that you have, then I can promise you those are not the right people for you. Those are not the right people in your life. Right. But there are all, there's always somebody you can call, you know, if you don't have that person or these people in your life, there is, like I said, the, the, the crisis hotline, um, reach out to anybody, man, call 911 if you have to, um, that, that's a pretty easy one. It's only three letters, um, <laughs> numbers, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, uh. This is a, it's, it's a subject for me. It's a thing for me. Okay. Like I know this is going on way longer than the solo shows usually go, but like, this is something that I actually give a fuck about. Like I, I am, I'm tired of hearing these stories of soldiers or, you know, Marines or sailors or airmen, uh, service members taking their lives because they felt hopeless and alone. Those final moments just in this dark spot, like, I just, I can't, I'm tired of hearing it, man, like, be there for your fucking people, right, like, when, as soon as this podcast ends, as soon as this episode ends, I swear to God, it, when this ends, this show, tonight, the one you're listening to right now, pick up your damn phone and text somebody, any of your friends, all of them, call somebody, ask them, how are you doing, and then even if they don't ask, tell them how you're doing. Open up with that dialogue. Have that conversation. Call your friends. Call your family. Tell them. Talk to them. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, everybody listening, I don't know how many listens this will get, um, even five or 500, I don't care. When this is done, do it. Do it right now while you have your phone in your, I guarantee your phone's in your hand, you're probably listening to me in the background, pull out your phone and text somebody right now and ask them how they're doing, right? Um, because that's what's going to save us. Veteran suicide rates are twice as high as non-veteran suicide rates. Members of the LGBT community um, are quadruple the rate of standard veteran suicides, quadruple, okay? More men than women, right? Men, guys, we have to get it out of our head, okay? There's, it's, it's this alpha bullshit mentality is just some made-up nonsense from who knows when. There's nothing wrong with admitting your weakness. There's strength in that, Right? Find that inner strength and get out there, talk to people. If you need help, get help, right? If you are, if you are a veteran and you're not enrolled in the VA, go get enrolled in the VA. 
talk to them. During the screening, when you go to the VA, they will, they will do a PTSD screening. Answer those questions honestly. And when they ask you, would you like to speak to somebody about this? Say yes. I don't care if you don't have PTSD. I don't care if you've never experienced anything traumatic in your life ever. Everyone can benefit from therapy because all you're doing is talking to somebody, you know, and they're listening. They have no dog in the fight other than just to help you get to a better mental state. You might think you're in a great mental state. I thought I was in a great mental state and I wasn't, you know, I'm, 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 I'm better today, right? Because I have these realizations. Um, I have this understanding. Um, so I don't know, man, I'm rambling and, uh, I apologize for those of you who have tuned me out. Um, but I just, I don't know. Like I said, this is a a thing for me. I do want to point out one thing. Uh, and I know I've kind of said this and this might be beating a dead horse, but um, a study, uh, I'm going to read it, a study, a study published in the Cleveland Clinic Journal of Medicine found that, uh, quote, veter- combat veterans are not only more likely to have suicidal ideation, often associated with post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, but they are more likely to act on a suicidal plan, especially since veterans may be less likely to seek help from a mental health professional. Non-mental health physicians are in a key position to screen for PTSD, depression, and suicidal ideation in these patients. So if you work in the medical field, you know, and you're dealing with people, you know, I mean, that's a great opportunity to kind of probe, to ask these questions. It's fine. We need to get this number 22 down. It comes out to about one veteran every 65 minutes. I've been talking for 41 minutes now, right? When you listen to one of our average shows that are about two hours, let me think about that. Think about being at work for eight hours. How many veterans? It's just, it it needs to stop. And the only way we're going to stop it is by reaching out, by having these conversations, by having this dialogue. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say on this, I think. Um, But I don't know. Uh, I am absolutely thankful that Tyree and I started doing this podcast. Um, it was definitely his idea and, uh, I'm thankful for it because one, it has helped me in a lot of ways in talking with all these guys Two, it's helped with reconnecting with a lot of these people. And three, it's apparently been helping a lot of other people, listeners, people that don't even know us. And we love to hear that Tyree keeps, you know, on the Facebook page and in episodes, I know he says it a lot. Uh, but we mean it when, when when he says, comment on things, like things, go to our Facebook page, it's called Before I Forget, and follow it, and interact on our posts, message us directly if you want to, and talk to us, like we want this feedback, we want to talk to you, we want to hear your voice, okay, we want these interactions, and uh, and yeah. So it's been it's been great, and I'm sorry that I've rambled. Um, I'll do better next time. I just really with with this particular one, I wanted to speak um, uh, off the cuff, so to speak, from the heart, so to speak, um, because like I said, it's a sensitive subject. Um, I've had to kind of hold back the waterworks a couple times um, during this, and 
you, you know, like I, I, I want this, I wanted this to be as real as possible. Like I said, I wanted to, to, I wanted to talk with you, whoever you are listening. <laughs> I wanted to talk with you. Um, so yeah, uh, that's all I have. Um, I really appreciate everybody who has been sticking with us through all of these and listening to hours and hours and hours and hours of our of our stories and us just uh you know shooting the shit so to speak um i would i will say that we have um a pretty big thing coming up uh in march i believe we're gonna start talking about it tyree and i gonna start talking about it in february and uh but we're really excited about uh well actually i mean we're always excited about all of our shows we just love connecting reconnecting with all these people it's been great to hear everybody's voice um and uh, But we have one show in particular that uh, we've been working on since this podcast started, and we it, it, I, I will say it's about 95% set in stone, and uh, I'll, I'll just say that we are truly honored to be able to have this person on, and, uh, and uh, can't wait to hear what he has to say, um, and, uh, and can't wait for you guys to hear it. And I would like to say that uh, when this season ends... We're, it's uh, in, I think, I believe, early April. Um, season two is going to be even better. Because um, I know you listening and you're hearing all of our stories. Well, guess what? You, the listener, you have stories too. And we will be reaching out to people. And we want your stories. We want you on the show. We want to get your story imprinted in digital format so that it can last forever. So you're legacy your story can live on forever and i don't know we're excited about it y'all we are we are we are damn excited about it um anyway with all that being said and again i apologize for this being so long and for me being so scatterbrained um i may have mentioned this a thousand times i am a a little on the add side so uh and i don't take anything for it because i kind of like the my, my brain being all over the place so deal with it thanks um Again, if you need help, if you find yourself spiraled to that dark place, reach out to somebody, to anybody. Go to our Facebook page and message us, right? Um, If you know me in real life, call me, text me. If we are, you know, uh, Instagram friends, hit me up on Instagram. Like, uh, with underscore Valor underscore, come find me and hit me up. Like, like I'm not playing around. I, nobody is a stranger. People that do know me know that nobody's a stranger. Like I'll talk to anybody and especially when it comes to helping somebody out because I I want to see everybody thrive and I want to see everybody do well. And I want to see that number go down to zero. 22 is 22 too many. Okay. Um, that's all I have to say on that. Um, Thanks for listening. Um, From the bottom of my heart, uh, we really appreciate it, and I love you. And um, do good things.